Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the third and final part of this week's episode of the Stompcast with Dr. Karen in Greenwich Park. Just before we start, for any of you that wants to develop your understanding of physical and mental health further, my books, Live Well Every Day and A Better Day, are a great place to start. Let's get cracking. We're about to get stuck into the stomp this week, but I'd first like to chat about our sponsors, FitFlop, who are helping me to move better with supportive, comfortable and scientifically tested footwear. Now, after I've been on a good long stomp, I don't want to take my flip-flops off and put on a subpar pair of slippers after being so comfortable. Luckily for us, Fitflop have thought about this and have an amazing range of slippers and slides that are perfect for lounging around the house. Their range of men and women's slippers have contoured footbeds and are made with incredibly soft materials to make sure your feet feel great. I can't vouch for the women's shoe shearling slides myself, but wow, they look like absolute heaven to slip into after a stomp. They have triple density micro wobble technology, which basically means they absorb shock and diffuse underfoot pressure. There you go, micro wobbled. What a dream. And for men's, there's plenty to choose from, including the amazing eye cushion technology, ultra light, super sleek cushioning that's ergonomically shaped for all day comfort. So if you've upped your stomping game, but your slipper game is weak, head over to fitflop.com. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Stompcast. We are, we are literally crunching the snow, walking the lawn. It's been a fantastic good, episode yeah. so far. Have you enjoyed yourself? I have. It's Being been outside, so nice, meeting it? you for the first time. Well, I know we've spoken online. It's been, really, it's been really nice to actually meet and stuff. It's been, it's been really cool. And we've covered so much already, but uh, we've got more to come. And I think we're going to... I really want to focus now on how you deal with stress and pressure and things going wrong you know seeing patients that are unwell coming away from a shift and going gosh that was that was chaos because mm. there are many people that will be listening that maybe you are a doctor maybe you're not a doctor maybe you're a paramedic maybe you work in the police but a lot of people will share that feeling of oh my gosh this has been a this is so stressful i'm struggling so how yeah. do you manage or how do you look after your mental health well you know it's taken some time to appreciate how much of an impact hospital life has on you and you know throughout life everyone goes through micro stresses and macro stresses so a micro stress may be the shrill alarm waking you up in the morning you miss your bus you miss your train these are all micro stresses and then we have the macro stresses you know you have a bereavement you you know don't get a you know you lose a job or something you know relationship breaks down these are huge micro stresses which we acknowledge and have coping strategies around them but we fail to ignore the accumulative micro stresses and then the huge impact they can have so an example would be when my first year as a junior doctor I was constantly seeing unwell patients, death, doing cardiac uh, arrest calls and doing chest compressions and, you know, seeing patients vomit blood or have a litre of blood pour out their bottom end 
all these sort of really incredible things or intestines popping out of their abdomens because you know the wound is broken down and I wasn't mentally prepared for that and at the time you don't feel so much you just feel a bit of a, a shock yes. uh, you know a visceral shock to the system but it's only when you go home and there's some insidious feeling that just is in your system like I don't feel quite right and it's that shock the trauma unease, of constantly being like yeah, you're overloaded by all of that and how do you get over that and for me you know, it manifested as insomnia, being a bit more withdrawn from my family, all these sort of things, and arguably some sort of subclinical depression, maybe, I don't know. And for me, how I got over that was when one of my seniors at the time saw that I was a little bit different to how he saw me a few months ago when I started, and he, he said, do you want to talk? And he spoke to me about all of the things I've gone through, he's told me his story, and actually finding that sort of mentor or someone to buddy up with and talk to helped me massively to get over that hurdle. And now I'm sort of desensitized to some of the trauma, uh, which is sometimes good, sometimes bad, because you lose a fraction of empathy when you become desensitized to something, but it's also a necessary part of protecting yourself from that trauma yeah. and building barriers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen to you there about the desensitization. I, as you know, worked at Lewisham Hospital and uh, we looked after King's students and I did a lot. I, I, I love teaching. It's a mm. passion of mine as well. And I, I also used to teach the students the fourth and fifth years that come to oh, A&E wow. and send them off to see patients or if I'm seeing cases, get them involved. And I remember I had um, two fourth year students with me uh, one day and uh, we had a a cardiac arrest call um, come in and I said look join me and we'll you can you know you can see this arrest and you can see how it happens or you can help and uh, as you know often you know when we're doing continued chest compressions you have to swap people you need to, to have like to have good quality chest compressions you can't have someone the same person you get yeah. tired and it's very very tiring so we made rotation of people that were doing it and um, I one of the consultants was there but I was actually leading it being supervised by the consultants of my own training and um, they, they helped and these two students were doing chest compressions and so on. Sadly we called the case and, and we had to say look I'm sorry you know we're gonna have to stop does everyone agree? Everyone agreed that we stopped and the consultant said to me Alex um, as you've led the case can you go and speak to the family in the family room? It's part of the job as yeah, a doctor. Yeah, we yeah, have yeah. to break the news. Explain, um, yeah. And I said to the students, I said, look, it's, it's a difficult thing to see, but do you want to come with me? And you can see it happening. And as we started walking, as they said, yeah, they said, yes, I'll come. Um, both of them started crying. Wow. And I turned round and I looked them in the eyes. And for about two seconds, my brain was like, why are they crying? But not in a nasty way, <laughs> no, in no, a no. genuine thing. Like my brain almost couldn't connect. Yeah. But they, it's like, is something did I say something I'm like oh no it's the person that they've just seen die and just in chest I said is that the first person you've seen die yes that first chest it yeah, was it's, it's kind of traumatizing right but it, it showed to me and I, I, I of course I, I mean I said look I'm gonna go and do this um, a consultant supported them for that time I went broke the bad news came back and I took them for coffee we sat down we, we decompressed but it really that night I remember going home thinking am I a monster it's <laughs> I'm desensitized yeah, am I a monster yeah. I mean, yeah, if we were fully emotionally receptive to every single experience we saw, our minds would be mushed by the end of a year in the NHS, in the healthcare setting. You need to build those mental barriers 
to just keep out some of those intrusive thoughts and those demons of the things that we see. Otherwise, it doesn't make for good reading for us. No. And I, and I think, going back to what you said about talking, people go, oh, what's the, what's the point? Is it really... No, talking is so powerful. Because when you look at that scenario, I sat down with them, and by the end of the conversation, I'd really like to think that they felt so much better because we talked about it. And actually, what I hope, and I said to them at the time, is go home talk to the other students, talk to you, they lived with me, talk to the colleagues around you. It's really important that when you see something difficult that you speak to people around you. And, and we actually, um, in Lewisham, made a well-being room, which was basically for almost decompressing post-difficult cases because yeah. you know what happens. A difficult case happens and, you're, and your consultant's trying to talk to you about what happened while you're upset or traumatised in the middle of the corridor outside of a curtain with a patient inside. Um, it's, just, it's just not ideal. So we created this place and space, which literally was a dark room, not clean lights just yeah. like a lamp and sofa oh, nice. so you can go and sit down and just have a human conversation about something yeah. that's happened Unload. and it made su- it makes such a difference hearing someone else going like you said consultant saying do you know what when i saw that the first time i felt terrible as well it makes the world a difference because you don't feel like it's just you and and you know i think um just a, as a side point to that sometimes i don't fully i, don't, I think we maybe as healthcare staff don't fully appreciate the impact that these cardiac arrest calls have on other patients in the vicinity oh yeah like you know you're in the bay with six patients oh, you put curtains around but you can they hear, hear everyone screaming now. and the chest compressions and the noises and these patients are thinking oh god is that going to be me next well if you think about um what they say about um gosh we're, about, we're going right in deep here but if you look at some domestic violence cases they're yeah. looking at traumas and children who were in um psychological trauma of children who are in the room adjacent to hearing say the mum getting yeah, yeah. Uh, experiencing domestic violence and actually some of the damage on them was almost worse than if in the room or experienced it themselves oh, because you that, yeah. picture everything that's happened and you're absolutely right it's 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 for everyone involved it's and I think it's important we just don't brush over these difficult life events and it probably brings in a wider uh, discussion around death for general public I mean in the UK we are so so uncomfortable about talking about death but yeah. the one thing that is currently in life is that you're not going to be here forever and i say it i've said it before on the stomp class i'll say it again the beauty in your life is the fact that you're not going to be here forever that is yeah. what makes it special that's what makes anything matter at all i mean i've seen multiple times throughout my career where someone has come in they are seemingly a fit and well person they have a certain condition and they have just within six hours, 10 hours, 12 hours, completely deteriorated to the point where, you know, they've gone to the intensive care unit for ventilation and they've required artificial life support. And within 24 hours of their admission, they've died from being well at home the day before to death. And for me, what that tells me is anyone that you love or you have something nice to say about someone, tell them immediately, you know, just to hug your loved ones because just, you know, the, fragility of life is so that it can just go like that and for me that's more and more being accentuated by the covid pandemic where millions of people lost their loved ones you know in the matter of hours sometimes so i find it interesting if you were to ask most people and and this is not a negative judgment people at all but if you were to ask most people um, are you invincible are you immortal they'd laugh at you and say how ridiculous what do you mean of course i'm not immortal invincible but if you think if you ask them to think about the way they live their lives do they live their lives as if they're immortal or invincible a lot of people do we live each day and we think oh tomorrow or we wish away days we wish away weeks oh i just want to get out of the way because we always even though we know if you ask that question deep down it's almost like no but i am always going to be here yeah and you never know and i think that point about being nice to people but also goes back to and it 
I think it's probably the right time to talk about some of the negative sides of social media. It's be kind to people as well, because you have no idea. It's nothing worse. I say to people, like, don't be the person to have said something horrible to someone and the next day they've gone. Something's happened. You have to live your life then thinking, yeah. oh, I wish I hadn't said that, because you never know what's going to happen and what's around the corner. So do you know what? Take your baseline, not as defensive or baseline of just responding or being mm. annoyed or attacking. Your baseline should always be be kind and then move from there if you yeah. really have to and to deal with a difficult confrontation. But otherwise, be kind, be careful what you say. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I mean, we've all experienced these scenarios where we've either been horrible to someone, either knowingly or unknowingly. And when you, when you have that friction with someone, it actually is a drain on you. Mm. That negative energy and emotion drains on you. If you had an argument with your best friend, you feel horrible until you've resolved that. So why even- Why waste your life on that? You know, half, more than half the people that you interact with in social media, you don't know them and you don't know their kind of lifestyle factors and underlying issues they're going through. So f why don't you just kind of ignore any, anything they say that might be negative towards you? Because ultimately, you know, you might never cross paths with them again. No, and I think it's, it's an important thing to learn. And, uh, and go, but, you know, I, I remember, I mean, I've had times I've had people being horrible to me online and it's been, I think, a particular time that really, I think, disappointed me in humanity, to be honest. As when I was announced in the role as Youth Mental Health Ambassador, bearing in mind I volunteer all yeah. of my work. In fact, volunteering, it's not just giving my time. I actually cost me to do my work, a lot yeah. of money actually yeah, to bet. do what exactly. I'm doing. Not just in time given away, as you know, there's a significant numerical cost to that, but the mm. actual costs of, I don't take a penny from the government. Yeah. Even my masters, which I'm doing, directly to help advise and do public policy, I will not take any money from any, because I want to do it myself. It's my wow. own mission. and. I was really disappointed when I came out in the role, I had a huge amount of support. I had a million likes on my posts, I mean, and people being so kind and all that kind of stuff. But there was also a significant group who attacked me. It was almost like, how dare he be noble? Or that people were like, you know, who is he to be in this role and whatever. Mm. Forget about the fact that I campaigned to create this role. I campaigned, it wasn't an advertisement in the window that I got over someone else. Yeah, I, I created it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I fought. I pushed, I sat there and had to sit opposite the Prime Minister and tell him everything I thought about the yeah. problems that, that, we're, <laughs> that we're facing. And I'm doing my best for free. And you get people attacking you. I think it really made me think, and I think it's important going back to what you just said about learning to let things go. I now don't take on anything anyone says online because that really yeah. gets hurt me so deeply at that time. And I walked away and said, you know what? I'm never gonna let people hurt me like that again Absolutely. because I am doing my best here. And I'm going to continue doing my best. And if you don't like it, go out and do better. No, I 100% agree with that. And for me, one of the things I've picked up on being on social media and gaining an increasing presence on there is most people don't care about you or anything that you do. And as humans, we frequently fall victim to this unconscious cognitive bias called the spotlight effect where we, I think, pay too much attention to what other people may think about us and we accentuate the degree to which other people even care. acknowledge us. Or care, they just don't, or yeah. you think, oh my God, because your problems are the center of your problems or your worries yeah. are what you're doing. You forget sometimes that actually other people don't really care. No, if you ask someone, um, you know, okay, you went to this party two weeks ago, name something 
um, that happened at the party, which was embarrassing. You probably can think about it, but that no. person who did the embarrassing thing is probably spending the last couple of weeks thinking about it, which just goes to show that, you know, just you do you. Just do whatever do you, you want do that makes you, you happy, as long as it doesn't, you know, harm anyone else, um, you know, directly, and you're doing it with good intentions, you know, keep doing whatever you want. What do we do, I think, on the more severe end, because everyone gets attacked with things, but I saw your post recently mm. about racism online, because there has to, okay, there's some things where, you know, people, not everyone's going to agree with what I say. Some people might think mental health's nonsense, or some of the things I'm talking, they might think that, that's fine, that's yeah. their opinion, they're enti everyone's entitled to their opinion, but they're not entitled to be racist. So how do we, what do you think about how we change that online? What is the solution? Is it more moderation? Is it, what is the answer? Yeah, I mean, generally, I think you can probably agree with me. As content creators online, often one of the biggest bugbears we have is moderation. Because, you know, often we'll talk about very benign topics, which for oh, whatever gosh, reason yeah. flags the algorithm. My that... post, my, remember, I don't know if you saw my post, your pill post. I did a oh, talking yeah, about yeah, 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 mental yeah. illness was and preventing flagged? it was taken off. Because of the medication yeah. that was Yeah, because they said it was... They said it was... Drug um, abuse or something. Yeah, they said it's dangerous because it was medication. It was like, oh my God, but, but the pornographic material that's on TikTok it isn't on, dangerous. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. So, you know, we've been on the other side of that moderation where there's over-moderation. So, um, yeah, that's the negative side of over-moderation. But that, that same, by the same token, you can help exclude misogynistic, sexist, racist commentary... And it's finding that balance between them. And one of the things I thought might be helpful is to stop these, you know, user 6956 yes. from wherever commenting his racist thoughts. Why not having to, why not have, before you create an account, you have to, you know, verify it with a profile picture that no one else sees, but whoever or the automated system has to say, okay, this is your profile and acknowledge it. So you're not going to get caught out or doxxed or found out by anyone and you can still remain anonymous, but the system knows that you're a real person yeah. and if you do anything untoward, then you will be found and you will be sanctioned yeah. in some way. It is difficult because um, I, I actually, so I took this to as because uh, I, I do a lot on anti-bullying. We started Don't Face It Alone as a, mm. as a national campaign. I do a lot around anti-bullying and social media and trolling. One of the challenges we found talking about that is it ends up excluding some of the people that are vulnerable or you end up actually um, by having to ask people to prove identification, for example, right. some can't and you end up like, you end up actually excluding the people that you're trying to include, if that yes, makes sense. Yes, and yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. difficult. Then you end up, but I agree, there has to be some ownership. I think it's very, very important. There has to be. If there's not accountability... Then, then, then there's no way of, it's so hard to stop it. And I go back to that point, you know, and, um, you know, say I said people were giving me a hard time at that, at that time. Did anyone ever say to me to my face? No. No, no one ever, exactly. ever came to say to me. No, they Because won't. actually, all of the reasonable people that I meet don't have that opinion. It's a small minority that cause the biggest noise. Yeah. And, and actually, when you're talking about misinformation, yet again, it is the small minority that's spreading the lies and stuff online. But they shout by louder. Huge. They're so loud. And, and it, it sounds like they're, they're, because they're more vociferous in their claims and arguments, it seems like it's bigger than actually just 10 people sitting in a room somewhere saying that. So I, I think that, that is the thing. That's a sort of negativity bias as well, where, you know, we ignore the thousands of positive comments and we narrow in on that one negative comment and that makes or breaks our day sometimes, yeah. unfortunately. Well, but acknowledging that... Let's say on behalf of... Uh, hopefully on both of us thank you yeah. for having us actually saying 
the nice things and the people that are supporting oh, yeah. our content because you know we I, I love what you do and you Likewise. know we both do it because we're passionate about what we do and hopefully you've seen and even times we've talked maybe negatively about experience the hospital it comes from a place of us caring yeah and we care about it so thank you to everyone true emotions us. and feelings and we're people we're humans humans yeah doctors and you want are not robots they're no. humans Let's uh, finish off with a health fact of the week. And, I, and usually <laughs> I would take a steer on this, a proud steer, but I, you are, I would say, the health fact king. <laughs> so I'm going to open the floor to any facts you'd like to share with our listeners uh, this week. Some of your favourites. Um, so, you know, as, in, as a general surgeon, a lot of my time is spent with the intestines and the rectum. Yes, um, I, you know, often it, it is literally the butt of all jokes and... <laughs> Uh, a bit of a dad joke there, um, but you know it doesn't get its moment in the sunlight often, and I want to, you know, give a little ode to the rectum, and um, you know it's very good at detecting the difference between solid and gas, which allows you to fart and poo without doing both at the same time oh, yes. sometimes. Yes. But unfortunately, sometimes it has a lot of difficulty telling the difference between liquid and gas. Ah. This is why people shart and, you know, when they're having diarrhea, they can accidentally think they're having a fart, but, you know, let loose oh. some, some uh, liquid chocolate instead. You don't want that on your stomach, You don't do want you? that. But, I mean, the, this whole uh, premise behind why it's so good detecting solid matter and gas matter is because it has a, this reflex called the anal sampling mechanism, which can actually detect that change in consistency in that sort of lower rectum and the anoderm and it can say okay you're free to go the gates the are departure open. lounge is safe for here we go yeah departing. <laughs> so you know I, I think um the rectum is fascinating because you know it, re it requires the coordination of your brain sphinct like you know two sphincters the external internal sphincter uh, a bunch of pelvic floor muscles uh, your intestinal contractions so there's so much work that goes into this very primal reflex that we have yes and we just think oh you sit down on the toilet and you have a poo but actually there's so much goes neurology on. and yeah anatomy that goes on to provide you with uh, a good poo in the morning well there you go i mean look there's nothing funnier than a fart unless it's a liquid one of course uh, <laughs> what a what a what a fantastic note to uh, excuse the pun to uh, <laughs> leave the stomp cast on thank you so much for joining me this week we've had a fantastic stomp and i hope you get some rest you'll have a period of time you're having your holiday and you'll leave at the moment yeah right? no this so, is good i've uh, got a couple of weeks off now and uh, yeah enjoyed today getting enjoy out about. In, enjoy a rest and uh, you know we are you know just want to say thank you so much for everything you do you know it's uh, not just online but in the work that you do as well i can tell you i've been very grateful for surgeons coming down and uh, <laughs> saving my butt excuse the pun uh, on occasions where i've been worried about a patient so thank you so much and uh, yeah keep doing what you're doing i can't wait to keep watching it yeah thanks for having me thank you Thank you once again to Fitflop for sponsoring this episode and making sure our feet are looked after whether we're wandering in the woods or lounging by the fire after a hard stomp. Head over to fitflop.com to check out Fitflop's outdoor shoes and trainers as well as the slippers and slides. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of me and Dr. Karen and well done for completing your stomp. As I said earlier, if you want more advice and tips on physical and mental health, check out my adult book, Live Well Every Day, or children's book, A Better Day. If you enjoyed this, please do leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you subscribe if you want to support the channel. Keep us growing, keep us stomping. It's a really brilliant way to support us because basically when you subscribe, not only does it remind you every Monday morning give you discipline for stomping, but it really helps us grow and build a bigger audience, reach new people, which is... Yeah, incredible. Thank you.
Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.